Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 2nd of July 2023, 9.30 service. Katie Loffman speaking on My Experience of the Holy Spirit. Well, as Stephen said, we've been hearing about the Holy Spirit in the early church and the wonderful and miraculous things that happened to those first Christians, the incredible fellowship, their infectious faith, the self-sacrificing generosity that as they shared their possessions and their lives. But what's the Holy Spirit like for us today, living here and now? As Christians, all of us have the Holy Spirit in our lives, working in our hearts and inspiring our minds. We do occasionally get fleeting glimpses of moments like the early church when our hearts fill with worship or compassion and we feel close to God. But we don't all see the Holy Spirit working in our lives in the obvious and sustained way that those early Christians seem to experience. So what can we expect to experience of the Holy Spirit nowadays? Well, the answer to that question, I imagine, will be different for each of us. It may well depend on what aspect of God we choose to prioritise in our Christian life. In charismatic churches, they focus much more on the Holy Spirit and his gifts than we do here. As a result, I think people in those churches become better at being in touch with the Holy Spirit and recognising and using the gifts that the Holy Spirit's given them. In our church, I think we place more emphasis on the Word of God and we work hard to understand what the Bible means and apply it to our lives. As a result, one way that we experience of the Holy Spirit is through reading the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand what we read, who gives us that aha moment when something falls into place and we see a new layer of meaning in a passage. And particularly when we feel the Bible speaking directly to us, to something that we're going through. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the Bible come alive to us in that way. And that's very much part of my experience of the Holy Spirit, and I love it when that happens. But all of us experience the Holy Spirit in all sorts of other ways as well. And before I talk more about my experience, I just want to define my terms. As we know, God is a trinity, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit all one God. So separating out my particular experience of one part of the Holy Trinity from another is quite difficult and probably a bit arbitrary in some ways. But I tend to think of the Holy Spirit as the aspect of God that communicates most with us, the thing that enables us to feel close to God. And that's because it's through the Holy Spirit that God lives in our lives in that God lives in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. There have been times in my life when the Holy Spirit has been more visible and obvious to me in the charismatic sense. I've been a Christian all my life, thanks to my mum and dad. But today, I'm not going to talk about my Christian life in general. You can hear about that in my Why I Am a Christian sermons on the Christchurch website but Stephen's asked me today to talk specifically about my experience of the Holy Spirit. So for the first part of my Christian life, I don't think I thought much about the Holy Spirit, especially not as distinct from God in general. 
But when I was 16, we moved to Suffolk and became members of a new church. And I joined a new youth group and got to know new people. And there was one girl in particular who seemed very spiritual to me. She had a particular quality in her character, which I found very attractive. Although she was a year or so younger than me, she seemed wiser and more mature. She always seemed to know what to say, and she was able to interpret the things that happened in life through a spiritual lens, and I found that really helpful. It helped me to understand God better and to deepen my faith. And she was friends with a much older woman at church who I think was a kind of mentor and role model to her. And that older lady had the same spiritual quality about her, a kind of deep compassion and wisdom. As I got to know them both better, I discovered what they had in common. They'd both received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they both prayed in tongues. I think that was probably my first explicit experience of the Holy Spirit seeing how he could work in someone else's life and watching them using their gifts. Although I admired both of these women, well, a girl and a woman, I don't remember seeing their gift as something that I could ask God for for myself or aspire to. I just enjoyed talking to them and I liked it when we prayed together in youth group. Over the next few years, my faith was a bit of a zigzag journey sometimes close to God, sometimes drifting further away. While I was doing my degree, I was rather a flaky member of the CU, but I did go to church. And then after David and I graduated and moved back to London, we sometimes used to go to church at Holy Trinity Brompton, where some of our friends went. And the services there were more charismatic and often included messages and prophecies for the church from members of the congregation. And sometimes you could hear people praying in tongues. The worship songs always made me feel really close to God. And when it included some people singing in tongues, I found it especially beautiful. And David and I had a friend at university who was very alternative. He wore outrageous clothes and did outrageous things. And he wore eye makeup like David Bowie. <laughs> and shortly after we left university, he became a Christian which was a bit of a shock, but of course we were really happy for him. As part of his conversion experience, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. And the next time we met up, he was really keen for us to be baptised in the Holy Spirit too. And he lent us a book called The Holy Spirit and You by Dennis and Rita Bennett. The book talks about baptism in the Holy Spirit and it explains it all from the Bible and it talks about what it means in practice. And then in chapter five, it gives step-by-step -step instructions for how to receive the Holy Spirit and how to speak in tongues. And David and I took it in turns to read this book, and then we got to chapter five. And at that point, I stopped reading because I was a bit scared. But David said to me, have you read chapter five yet? And I said, yes. And he said, well, and when I confessed that I was planning to kind of skip over it, he told me to go and do it. So I went in the bedroom with the book and I followed the instructions on page 75. And it's basically a sequence of prayers from praise to confession to asking Jesus to fill you with, your, with his Holy Spirit and to give you the gift of tongues. And then, as the book instructed, I opened my mouth and started to speak, deliberately not saying English words, but something else.
And a few words came out that I didn't understand. And it was very halting at first. But I gradually got more confident and managed to say a bit more. The whole experience was very low key and felt very tentative. But when I went and told David about it, we both felt really excited and joyful. Gradually, I got better at praying in tongues. I got so that I could say longer sentences, not just a few words. I got so that I didn't have to do it out loud all the time. With practice, I was able to do it in a whisper, and then even in my head, like normal praying. And eventually, I even tried singing in tongues, and that was nice. So right from the start, that beginning there, praying in tongues has been a really useful part of my prayer life because it helps me to get in touch with God. I use tongues as part of my normal praying at any time, but one time when it's most helpful is if I want to pray for something particularly difficult. I don't know what words to say, or sometimes even what to pray for, and I can switch into tongues knowing that the Holy Spirit will fill my words with the right prayers. Sometimes when I'm praying with other people, tongues gives me a way of praying silently alongside the person who's praying out loud. I don't know what I'm praying when I use this gift, but it definitely feels meaningful. Sometimes if I continue praying but in English, it feels as if my English prayer has somehow come out of that tongues prayer. But one thing that I found very useful about the gift of tongues is that to me, it's objective proof that the Holy Spirit is in me. It's undeniable. And I wouldn't be able to pray in another language in my own strength. So even if I can't feel God's presence, this is proof that God is real and that he's there and it's all true. There are some people I know who have that same spiritual quality about them that I saw in those two women that I mentioned at the beginning. And because of that, I thought they might pray in tongues too. But it turned out that they didn't. And asking for the gift of tongues worked easily for me. And I thought it would be the same for others. But no, apparently not. But just because they didn't have the same experience I did, I can still see the Holy Spirit working in their lives and shining out through their personality. Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter 14, verse 5, that he would like all of them to speak in tongues, which implies that some of them, or maybe lots of them, didn't. I've seen this to be true. Tongues are by no means the only marker of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. So although you can see it as objective proof that the Holy Spirit is in someone, it's not diagnostic. You can't say... You're only filled with the Holy Spirit if you speak in tongues. That's obviously not true. The Holy Spirit is present in our hearts, working in all our lives, all the time, regardless of whether we speak in tongues or not, and often regardless of whether we're aware of him. And there are plenty of other ways we can experience the Holy Spirit. One example of this is from my life during David's illness last year. I'll just quickly explain what David went through. He hadn't been himself for months until by March last year, 2022, he was too ill to go to work. The doctors spent the next couple of months trying to work out what was wrong with him and eventually they discovered he had kidney cancer. However, the cancer had triggered an autoimmune response in him which was actually making him more ill than the cancer. 
He had a successful operation to remove the cancer and his, and his kidney, but he still didn't get better. He developed ulcers on his legs and they got worse and worse until the only op option was to amputate. So he went from having one leg that was amputated above the knee and one below the knee to losing both his legs above the knee. And that got rid of the illness and he started to get better. But in the process, he'd gone from someone who could walk around all day long on his two artificial legs to someone who can't walk at all. He was discharged from hospital in October and spent the next few months healing and trying to recover. And we're still trying to find a new normal. So what was my experience of the Holy Spirit during that difficult time? It's hard to know because a lot of the time I felt so emotionally overwhelmed that I just tried to detach from what was going on by obsessively doing Sudoku or physically getting away from it all in a kayak on the river. But through it all, people were praying for us and offering their support. And God used the people around us to shore us up and to help us cope. So I see that as the work of the Holy Spirit in those people's hearts. And there's most, a lot of you, that applies to a lot of you who are here today. Healing is a mysterious thing. David's doctors spent a while not knowing what to do to make him better. In fact, I think doctors can't make people better. What they can do is clear away the obstacles to healing, like infection or cancer, to create the conditions that allow the body to heal itself. This is an aspect of creation. God creates healing and healthy new growth within our bodies in the same way as he created our bodies and created the world. Healing is a natural part of creation. The Bible tells us that the world was created through Jesus. So therefore, healing happens through Jesus and it comes to us by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our bodies. So when I saw David beginning to get better, I see that as the Holy Spirit gaining the victory over his suffering. And that's why it's important to pray for people who are ill, to claim that victory for them, especially if they're too ill to pray for themselves. And sometimes the prayer of a spiritual stranger can be very comforting. One week while David was in hospital, I went to a friend's church. At the end of the service, they offered prayer ministry and I desperately went forward for prayer. A woman started praying for me and I started crying. And then I couldn't stop crying. But it didn't matter. They had plenty of tissues. Her compassion and her prayer and the presence of the Holy Spirit in that situation was so moving and so safe that it enabled me to release all the overwhelming emotion that I'd been suppressing over the weeks. A couple of other people came to pray with me too and they prayed in tongues because they didn't know what I needed because human knowledge can't reach to understand what the soul needs, only God can. But I experienced the healing power of crying in a safe space and being heard and receiving the compassion of God through spirit-led people. I left that church with a huge sense of relief, relief and a new level of calm, which got me through the next few weeks. Now that David is better, we're trying to adapt to life with a wheelchair, and it's not that easy. 
We're both having counselling, and I think we can draw on the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to deepen the effects of the counselling. Because after all, the Holy Spirit is a counsellor. That's one of his names. He can work in our hearts while the counselling works in our minds. And bit by bit, the Holy Spirit has drawn me back to God. I found it quite difficult to pray while I was in the middle of all that worry. I didn't know what to say. I didn't feel like I had the time or the headspace to read the Bible. So by the time things calmed down, I was feeling quite distant from God. And that's not a good place to be. So I made an effort to start to read the Bible and to pray simple prayers. And at first it felt like I was just going through the motions, but I persevered. And gradually, over a few months, I felt the Holy Spirit coming back to me. The Bible started to become meaningful again, and my prayers became more heartfelt. The Bible tells us to read the Bible and pray. And if we obey that and persevere with it, we're creating the conditions for the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. And gradually, the Bible comes alive again, and we hear God speak again. In this way, the Holy Spirit brought me back to God. So that's my experience. Um, so feel free to talk to me about any of this if you'd like to, and let me know if you'd like to borrow Dennis Bennett's book, The Holy Spirit and You. But to sum it up, my experience of the Holy Spirit is a little bit mysterious. It's inspiring. It's quite intimate. But above all, my experience is that he's faithful to me, even when I'm having trouble being faithful to him.